Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of the Yakking Show Business Channel. This is a show where we bring you expert guests to give you actionable business tips and ideas to help your business thrive and survive in the interesting times we seem to be heading into. Today, we have a departure from our normal practice. We have four guests instead of one, but it's not my job to introduce guests. Kathleen does it better than I do. So first, let's introduce co-host Kathleen Beauvais. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much for that. And thank you also very much for tuning into our show. And today is a very special show, which we are so excited about. Today's guests have all co-authored a book titled The Most Amazing Marketing Book Ever. You're going to want to get a copy of this as soon as possible. It's a collaborative um, work by 36 marketing specialists worldwide. The book is now available in paperback, audiobook and Kindle versions. So let's just jump right in with our very first guest. So Laura, <laughs> Laura Vandalin Doman is our first guest. And Laura is a former tech industry sales exec turned actress, voice over an artist, uh, voice over artist, pardon me, author and public speaker. Uh, she appears regularly in films, TV commercials. Additionally, she coaches business professionals and entrepreneurs who need to become more comfortable and charismatic on camera. She hosts two YouTube video series on this topic. The first, on-camera tips for busy execs, and the second, on-camera confidence. Laura, can you tell us about your chapter in the book about leveraging your video and YouTube channel? Absolutely. And thank you, Kathleen and Peter, for having me. And for all the authors that you'll be representing here on your show, my chapter is chapter 11. And it's all about leveraging your videos and YouTube channel, because video is an important part of any marketing strategy. In fact, recent studies are showing that 80%, and that's maybe even gotten higher since I first wrote it, has been increasing 80% of content is going to be video. And they're going to take all different shapes and forms. I mean, literally all shapes and forms. You're going to see what's typically seen on YouTube in the typical horizontal <laughs> landscape mode, but you're seeing more and more of the vertical or portrait mode, which shows up on a lot of other social media. And in fact, shorts are really ruling the realm right now. And we could talk about a little bit about that later. But in my chapter, I am kind of dividing it into two parts. One, how to be better on camera and delivering those videos, because people are not going to spend a lot of time looking and waiting for something interesting to pop up. Like with anything else, you've got to grab their attention right from the very first. And it's not just a hook. It is being able to capture their attention. And very often, if it's somebody that's speaking, you have to know some tips and tricks and maybe a few techniques to be able to get their attention from the beginning and then maintain it, no matter how long your video is. The other part of what I write about would be leveraging YouTube itself. Now, since the book was written and published, Google is now using shorts as a way of being able to find content. So I couldn't write about it back then. Mm. But one thing to keep in mind is that anything 60 seconds or shorter which is a short on YouTube, can be part of the search criteria. So you have a much better chance of being found. So keep that in mind. Um, so what I might do today, if that's okay, is just kind of run through a few ideas of mm -hmm. how you can be better on camera and then what you can do with YouTube. So let me launch into it. 
the first thing to do is to tackle the fear. Because face it, it's another form of public speaking. It can be scary enough to get in front of people, but if you're just going to be talking directly to a lens, and maybe all you're seeing is a little green or red light, and then there's some other production lights that are shining at you, and maybe other people are standing around trying to see if you can give the message, that can be quite unsettling. So how do you get over that? Well, a couple things to keep in mind is, one, you don't have to be perfect. In fact, that is the big distinguishing mark between humanity and AI. AI is going to be perfect as much as it's written. However, it's also going to be boring. It's going to be dull. It might be one note. And it's not going to have the nuances and the emotional reach that a person is going to have. Now, of course, all this will probably get better a little bit as we go along. But the most important thing is just to be able to relax you are going to make maybe a few mistakes. And if you do, guess what? It can be edited afterwards. But know a few things about how to work with the camera. First of all, try to be very conversational in your tone. Speak as if you're talking to only one person, somebody who likes you and is very eager to hear what you have to say. And if you have a hard time imagining that when you're looking at a light, you might even put a picture of somebody up there, a mm. real friend, so you can direct your comments to them. Something else to think about is that with the camera, unlike in person, our view is going to be pretty short. And we're working with what's called a frame. That's kind of like the box I'm in. You see, there's only so much room. And small movements are going to look huge on camera. Mm -hmm. So if you are a big hand talker, for example, that could be distracting on camera, whereas maybe not so in person. You want to try to stay as still as possible while being comfortable but if you move around too much, you might actually get people dizzy or totally ooh, go off screen. So you got to be <laughs> careful with all of that. Um, you're going to want to make sure that you have good sound quality, especially since so many videos are being repurposed now for audio. You mm -hmm. have to make sure that you're easily heard, that there's no echoing, any bare floors are covered. Now, if you're going to work in a production studio, they'll probably take care of all that for you. But if it's just you, you want to find a quiet space and try to make it as dead air as possible. Uh, the same thing goes with lights. You want to have lighting that you could see the person. There are different types of lighting available. But if you're going to be doing anything, especially outside, make sure that the light source, like the sun, is not behind you because it'll be obscured in the camera and people won't be able to see you and there'll be a lot of distractions. You can also use things like dynamic delivery. Uh, you can vary your tempo, your pace, your volume. You can use pausing for great effect. So those are just some of the tips that I offer. On the Wonderful. Other... Okay. Sorry, Laura, I Come didn't mean to cut time. you off. You're, okay. you're perfectly on time and, and it, it's okay. very clever. <clears throat> is it very accurate what you've just been saying? My lighting is awful. The camera I normally use worked perfectly when Kathleen and I spoke on Zoom this morning. And when I switched on for this, it, for some reason, my computer won't accept that camera. And I had to go into the built-in camera and it doesn't like the light. So there's a case in point. Um, very good. And I, and I like your your um, advice to get over the fear. That took Kathleen and I a little while to get used to as well. Uh, fortunately, and still working I, on that. <laughs> well, in my case, age helps. You know, once you get past a certain age, you don't mind making a fool of yourself. So <laughs> anyway, 
Laura, thanks so much. We, we For our audience, we're going to be talking to Laura again and all our guests in a, in a, at the end of this um, episode. We're going to have a, a little bit more of a discussion. But now it's it's my job to introduce our next uh, author, Giuseppe, who authored Chapter 13. And Giuseppe is a transformational coach, a business strategist, and a marketing consultant. He works with inspired and driven people ready to step into the next phase of life and beyond. And he has a, built a successful fulfilling career as an attorney but he changed and he got into the exciting world of marketing and much i'm sure much more exciting than being an attorney but anyway that's just my opinion uh, giuseppe comes all the way from rome so giuseppe you're going to talk to us about your chapter which is creating a powerful message please let, tell our audience yes thanks a lot peter and kathleen for having me on the show and uh, first thing that i want to say is that i co-wrote my chapter with Al Boyle, who's not on the show today, right. but is a co-author and is, uh, shares the responsibility and the honor of having written our chapter. Yeah, our chapter is about uh, messaging and, uh, and copywriting, uh, which is something that I've always loved and uh, I've done extensively for my clients, uh, probably because I am a former attorney, and as an attorney, you have to convince the jury that your client mm -hmm. is right. And so copywriting, which is a sort of a, a persuasive way of, of writing, is kind of similar. And uh, what we try to do in our chapter is to set the foundation for good copywriting. We had the small business owner in mind. Uh, and we wanted to empower them to start working on their messaging and copywriting. By the way, uh, these are two different concepts. Mm -hmm. The message, the marketing message is uh, what you say uh, about mm, your company, your products, your services. And the copywriting is the actual technique of creating a compelling uh, piece that's entertaining and that, that will be read or listened to if it's audio or whatever. And um, so what we try to do is to talk about the foundation, which is all about knowing your customers very well. This is where it all starts. You have to do your research and you have to get to know your ideal clients very well, just like you know your old friends. Uh, because when you do that, you can... You know their pain points, you know what they want, what they want to get, what they want to avoid. And you can connect the dots between what they want or don't mm -hmm. want with what you're offering. And this is absolutely key. So there's uh, research that's, uh, that's really at the basis of every uh, good marketing message. Then we gave uh, a couple of more technical tips on how to structure uh, a piece of marketing. Uh, using two well-known framework, the problem, agitate, solve, mm -hmm. and the AIDA, attention, interest, desire, action. And what we also did, uh, because I am also a coach and working with clients, I know that uh, often uh, they have some kind of blocks when, it's, uh, when it comes to the time to put in themselves out there creating marketing talking about themselves uh, so there are i think a couple of very interesting and useful tips on our chapter uh, about 
overcoming these sort of blocks of uh, obstacles that many small business owners and entrepreneurs find. And uh, I think this, what we try to do is really to create a chapter, and, and this has been I mean, the goal for every chapter mm-hmm. in the book, something that's very actionable. I mean, you can just pick one uh, of the 10 tips, and this is true of all the chapters of the book, and just find something that you can implement right away to do better marketing, essentially. And um, yeah, I think this is what I what I can say about the book. I don't know if you want me to elaborate more on a specific aspect, or um... no, I think uh, you've covered it very well. And uh, just to reinforce what you said, I've read your chapter, and there's some there's ten very good tips in there. And towards the end of the show, we're going to ask you for which one uh, you think people should work on right now. But we'll leave that for a bit later. So now it's back to Kathleen for our next author. Yes, our next guest, Jeff Tarrant. Now, Jeff is the COO of Gunderson Direct, one of the largest independent agencies focusing on direct mail. During his six plus years at the agency, it has more than tripled in size. His clients range from well-funded startups to Fortune 500 companies. Direct mail is considered old school but is currently enjoying a renaissance. It ranks as the most trusted channel among consumers. So Jeff, uh, tell us about your chapter on direct mail. Well, thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Peter. And especially uh, thank you, Laura, because I'm a hand talker. I always have been. (laughs) And what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna put my hands on the side of my desk and I'm gonna stand really still and not move them, I promise, okay? All right. So thank you very much. Chapter 21 is on direct mail. And uh, I would really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show and to talk about it. Um, You're all familiar with direct mail. It Mm. is perhaps uh, unique in a very important characteristic. It's the only totally personalizable marketing channel that's also physical. So Mm -hmm. each person and you know your own your own lives, you're targeted with thousands of digital marketing messages every day. You see a small number of those, you interact with even a a minute percentage of them. But if you're in a typical household, you get four to eight pieces of mail a day, you have to touch and react to every single one of them. And again, something that Kathleen, you alluded to, it is the most trusted channel by consumers. There are just very few scams in direct mail. It's how your major financial institutions get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., it's how the IRS and our government gets in touch with you. Healthcare providers use direct mail. And that's because the data that is the basis of direct mail, which is address-based data, is validated as absolutely the best way to reach you. We know where you live. And that's how we're going to reach you when we have to. I'm going to give you some of the most highlight what I would consider to be the most compelling tips to make a direct mail program work for any company. Number one, it's largely about targeting. Mm -hmm. I don't play golf. Okay. If you send me the most beautiful brochure, letter, package, et cetera, about golf, and you give me a half off on the membership for the rest of my life, I can tell you where that offer is going. You've wasted a mailing on me. That includes the data, the cost of printing, the cost of postage. So make sure you have good quality data. Make sure you know who you are targeting. That is essentially where your mailing strategy has to start, who you're targeting, 
and how you're going to reach them. So that's, that's super important. The second thing that we always discuss with our clients right up front is that direct mail is an offer-driven channel. So your offers have to be relevant to what you're selling. Hopefully, if not, you can give a, you know, um, dollars off offer or an Amazon gift card is common. But to the extent you can make an offer relevant to what you're selling, to the extent you can make your offer relevant to your brand values, so it aligns with what your Mm -hmm. brand is all about. And also importantly, recognizing where the buyer is in the sales funnel. Is it a, a free sample or is it dollars off so you buy today? Is it a free white paper if you're doing B2B sales, that kind of thing? So how close is your target to buying? What do you have to do to move them to the next level to close the sale? And finally, also offers need to be substantial enough to move people and they need an end date. Direct mail is about fear of missing out, FOMO. Mm -hmm. If I don't have an end date on an offer, I never really have to act on it. So we always want to put an end date on an offer to get people to move. And the reason offers in direct mail have to be fairly lucrative relative to other offers is you can't click on a piece of mail. Mm -hmm. And our society is so based on that immediate ability to respond that if you have to, but direct mail, for example, you have to put it down. You have to go online. Maybe you have to scan a QR code, go to a school, go to a store, make a call, whatever it is, you have to leave our channel to respond. So the call to action and the offer need to be very clear and they are very important. And finally, as Giuseppe talked about, creative is also very important. The copy is very important. The design Mm -hmm. is very important. And unlike other channels, creative in the world of direct mail starts with the actual format that you use because the format actually communicates in it in and of itself. A, a postcard is perfect for a simple, uh, simple promotional message, for example. But if you are selling a mortgage, you probably want to put that in an envelope, something of a letter about it, more information, something that just puts a lot more gravity to it. So we think very carefully, not about the message, but what the, the format itself communicates about the company and the message when we are designing creative. And it's kind of obvious, but you need to craft a message based on what you want people to do. And I say that because we're really often, most often sending people online, right? So we're selling an online experience or we're giving them a really, really good reason to call somebody right now. So in the case of online, we'll show mobile screens or other computer online screenshots. We'll show what the form looks like perhaps so people can see what they're getting Mm -hmm. into and already start that experience before they actually respond. But what we're very conscious of is just making sure we are moving people to where we want them to go and setting an expectation. So when they reach that landing environment, for example, they know exactly what they're going to be doing there. And there are no surprises. There's no dissonance between what they've seen in the mailing and what's on the landing page. And finally, don't assume. Mm-hmm. Um, we te- we have been mailing for years and years. We have mailed billions of direct mail packages on behalf of clients. And I still could not guarantee what's going to work in any given situation. Test your offers, test your formats, test your data sources, and keep testing simple until you really are comfortable with direct mail. 
and have a lot of experience, we do what we call A-B testing, which is as simple as it sounds. You, you isolate variables, test A versus B, and keep everything else in the mailing the same until you have enough experience where you could play around, you have enough quantity, and you can test uh, a number of variables in a single mailing. So there you go. Those are my top tips for getting into mailing and being successful. And you'll see those and a bunch of others in chapter 21 in our book. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Jeff. And uh, good to see that one of the earliest uh, promotional techniques is still going strong. Direct mail, right? Uh, it sure is. Thank you. Hun hundreds of years and it's still going strong. So our, our next guest, it's, it's my privilege to introduce our next guest, who is a repeat guest on the Yacking Show. Sandy has been with us twice before, wants to do an hour-long premium episode on uh, her speciality or one of her specialities, Evernote, which um, is uh, getting good reception from many of our, our watch listeners and viewers. So Sandy's a business advisor. She has 30 years of experience of ongoing training on social selling, especially on LinkedIn. Uh, starting and scaling online businesses and effective networking. And she does a lot for community, various people in the community and various organizations, which is, is, is great. Sandy's also a certified Evernote specialist, but she wrote her chapter, chapter 25. And the title of it is, I've got to read this because it's so good. Tell us about your chapter, how to make promotional products sing. And I'm not sure if you mean that literally or metaphorically, but it sounds interesting. So tell our audience how to make their promotional products sing, Sandy. Well, thank you, Peter and Kathleen, for having me back on the show. It's always a pleasure to be here. And thank you to all my fellow authors who helped make this opportunity possible to become an author. Um, well, Peter, if you wanted promotional products to sing, you really could. There are different instruments like kazoos and, and iTunes gift cards <laughs> that you can brand. So that is a possibility. Um, but I actually can't take credit for that title. I think my editor put that one together. But like Jeff uh, spoke on with direct mail, promotional products is a very long standing old school style of marketing. And I said, it's kind of funny because it almost didn't make it into this book. Um, I had to pitch a little bit to uh, share my passion for the effectiveness of commercial mm. products with Mark Schaefer. Uh, big shout out to Mark and the Rise community, too, for also making all of this possible um, in that they have not stopped to being effective. If anything, they're more effective today in a digital world because everything is so untangible. It, mm -hmm. You see it and it's gone. You hear it and it's gone. And promotional products can potentially stay around a very long time. Um, that has to do with uh, what you choose. And that was really the focus point of my chapter, chapter 25 uh, on promotional products in the book, was the idea that if you choose well, people will want to keep that promotional product. Um, one story I tell in my chapter is about a mortgage broker who was going to a, uh, an event, I think it was a trade show. And he, of course, wanted to book meetings with people to advance his business. And he chose an interesting promotional product. It's not your typical trade show giveaway. He chose a four foot cubic shaped walking stick. Wow. Which is kind of big and heavy to take yeah. to a trade show to have a box of those. I think they came only like 25 to a box. And so he didn't take every single one that he had ordered from me. I think he just took one box in. Well, 
Um, I don't think either of us expected the outcome of that, where people started going to the booth and getting one of these and walking around the floor with them. And as people saw them, they were like, ooh, where'd you get that? How do I get one of those? And suddenly this gentleman had a whole full booth of people coming to check out what he was talking about so they could get one of these walking sticks because you know, that's what attracts people to a booth is Mm -hmm. what's being given away. And he eventually was down to his last one and um, successfully booked more meetings at this show than ever before because he started telling everyone I'm sorry, I don't have any more of these, but if you book a meeting with me, I promise I'll bring one to your office. And so he booked all the meetings he wanted that day with just that one out of the box idea of a promotional product. And that's also an example of something that sticks around for a while. It's Mm -hmm. like I said, it's a cube shape. It's not flat like a yardstick. So it's very heavy duty. And it's something that will last uh, for decades Mm -hmm. and be useful for a very long time. And that's one of my personal um, preferences when I'm working with my clients is if we're going to do a promotional product, let's give something people actually want and will use and keep Mm -hmm. for a while. I have a little hard-sided first aid kit that I've been carrying in my purse probably 25 years. Really? Yeah. The company has changed names probably three times since I did that for them. But I still have the promotional product from the first (laughs) go-round. So choosing wisely, something that people can reuse is one of the keys that I teach. Then one of the second things that is very important is while I understand budget has to be a consideration, nobody has an open wallet, I get that. But budget shouldn't be the first and only consideration. And my favorite point on that is as if you, and this has happened, people come to me, I want the cheapest pen you sell. And I just tell them, I won't sell you that. And they said, why not? I said, because when it won't write and the person who got it is mad at it and is throwing it away, what are they going to Mm -hmm. see? Is they're tossing Mm -hmm. it into the trash, your name and your brand. And what have you just done to your brand by giving out that stupid cheap pen to save a few pennies? Spend a little more, give a nice pen that they like, and they will talk all kinds of nice things about you and your company. So while budget's important, it's not, it can't be the bottom line decision part you have to think about things like who's going to receive it why are they receiving it and then one of um the another important point is that who is getting it does matter so for example i was on another podcast interview last week and uh this guy's pretty sharp and he has some really good marketing plans he's used with promotional products some really good ones and you know, he brought up the idea that I want to give a thank you gift to my podcast guests who come in and they're, they tend to be well-to-do kind of techie people. Well, I've been down that path. You don't give them tech. Mm. If they're well-to-do and techie people, they already have all the tech they want and they have the brands they want and nothing you give them is going to measure up to that. You've got to do something completely different. And I told him the story of this engineer that I actually happened to know who was getting an award for many years of um, running something called a math showcase, which is like Mm -hmm. science fair, but math. And they wanted to thank him for his years of service. And the first email said to me, "Um, we want to get a plaque for James. And I emailed back immediately and said, does it have to be a plaque? Because that was the last thing I wanted to give anyone in the world is a plaque because boring has to be dusted. It's just a waste of your budget. 
And her email back to me said, I was hoping you'd say that because she's used <laughs> to working with me and she knows I'm going to do something a little different. And so I sent her back a couple of ideas. One was um, a Galileo thermometer. If you don't know what that is, Google it because it's pretty cool and I can laser engrave those. Um, a couple of other ideas. And then this metallic cube that I've been doing is an eighth grade graduation award for a couple of years where it, it just that it's a cube, it's silver on four sides, and then you print full color on the other two sides. So you can get quite a bit of imprinting on it. Um, and then mm-hmm. it's magnetic. So there were a couple of attachments and one was the words, thank you that wrapped around the cube. And the other was basically a, a much smaller cube with a stick standing up and a clip at the top where you could put a picture or a note or something like that. So it's fun. It's useful. It will sit on his desk. He'll fidget with it. He will always remember this award because it's not some dry, dusty thing hanging on a wall. That's so, right. And, and again, he's an engineer. So why would he want me to give him anything technical? I Trust me. I know him. He's got all that stuff. And he does not need that as a gift. So knowing who's receiving the promo is super important to coming up with an idea for something that people really want to receive. Um, Excellent. That's just three points out of my 10. There's, there's a lot of good considerations that you can choose much more wisely. If you're going to spend the money, spend it wisely. Spend it wisely. No, thank you very much for that, Sandy. Some, and you've got all of us thinking about Galileo thermometers, so I know what I'll be doing when we finish the show. <laughs> Me too. So we, we, we're going to have a, a little bit of a free-for-all. Everyone chip in anything for the next couple of minutes, and then we'll finish off with the tip. I, I've got a burning question I've got to ask Laura. I read on the internet yesterday, because you're a voiceover and uh, expert and an actress, somebody, I can't remember the name, fairly famous, recorded an advert, I think, for a company some years ago, and the company bought the rights to that advert, and then they were sold to another media company who are now using his voice, cloned by AI, in a whole lot of stuff, and he's moaning. He says, I'm now competing with my own voice. So is this something that people who who are voiceover artists have got to be careful of? Absolutely. And in fact, depending on what happened, I could connect him with an attorney who represented a woman named Bev Standing. She's a Canadian. She had done a voiceover for a small company, a European company, some years back. Unknowingly, it was eventually sold to TikTok that Mm. lifted her voice and made an AI voice. And she didn't know Ah. about it. She wasn't paid for it. And when she finally found out about it, they were able to sue successfully. So it all depends under what contracts, but I can recommend an amazing attorney if it's necessary. But yes, AI is a major consideration, and that's a whole other discussion. Wow, that's interesting. We need to get oh, you yeah. back on the show to talk about that. Kathleen, have you got any burning questions for any of our, our guest authors before we go into their tips and ideas? Well, I would like to know so much more about each of these chapters. But, you know, it means everybody out there should be buying this book. And right now it's on Amazon. There, isn't it? It's yes, on Amazon. It and the link is in the description on whatever, whichever platform you are watching or listening on. All right, we're, we're running out of time. Kathleen, do you want to ask uh laura for her t- actionable tip for our audience what well, would she you suggest just did. you just did peter <laughs> well, that, was, that was that that was for my own interest but um <laughs> apart apart from getting a good attorney <clears throat> from your on youtube and video what's something that small business yes. owners should be looking at right now to help them with their business one well, quick I'm gonna, one i'm going to echo both sandy and jeff Make your video that suits your audience, whatever it might be, 
in terms of tone and content and length. And that even mm -hmm. includes which shape it's going to be and where you're going to put it. Great. Great. Josephi, your turn. What would you, out of your 10 tips, what's the most important right now? Yeah, I think the most important is it's all about your customers. When mm -hmm. you write your marketing message, you have to always think about them. They don't care um, how long you've been in business, how good you are, your certifications and your um, patents, whatever. They only asking one question. Can this person, can this company help me solve my problem? So focus on, on, their, uh, on their problems and use their words when you create uh, your marketing message. Great. Good. Very important. Jeff. Okay. Um, if you're not mailing or if you want to get experience with mail for the first time, or even if you've been doing it a little bit, there are two business segments you can mail to right now and you will see positive results. Mail to people who have shown interest in your company, prospects, mm -hmm who have dropped away and have not moved forward, but you've reached out to them digitally perhaps a few times, send them something in the mail. You'll get their attention, send them an offer, and you'll, like I said, get their attention. And the second group are people who used to be customers but aren't now. If you have their mailing information, send them something. Tell them why they should do business with you again and make them an offer. Mm -hmm. Can I just follow up that one with a very quick question, Jeff? That mm -hmm. If there's a limit to how many times you can email someone without getting a response, and of course they can unsubscribe, and then you can't email them anymore, you run into trouble. Right. Uh, you're fairly safe with direct mail, though. If you um, send them a one-off because they haven't responded an email, you're not going to get prosecuted, are you? It's really kind of funny. People feel like they own their email inbox. Yeah. But they don't feel that way about their direct mail inbox. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for that. Sandy, sure. what do you want to tell our audience to work on right now? Okay. Since everybody's brand has got to be out there and things do need to be logoed and promoting your business, before you spend any money, clearly define what you want your promotional products to accomplish so it can guide your choice, whether you want brand awareness, a thank you, um, promoting visibility of the business, Think about what you want it to accomplish. Don't just say, I need stuff with my name on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very important. Thank you for that, Sandy. And thanks to all our guests. And before I hand over to Kathleen to wrap up the show, a reminder, that's the book we're talking about, the most amazing market book ever. There's a link in the description, and there will be links to all of the authors you've been listening to today, so you can contact them for more information on their areas of expertise. So thanks to all of you. Thanks to our audience. Back to Kathleen. Yes, thank you all so very much. And thank you so much for tuning into our show. We so appreciated having you. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, we invite you to visit our website at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we would love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye -bye. Bye -bye.